On December the 10th, the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, made his first official visit to Latin America, paving the way for Ukraine's better relations with the region. At the same time, the situation on the front becomes more tense, with Russians attacking along the entire front line in the east. As the situation gets increasingly more complicated, Ukraine awaits a critical vote on future aid by the US Senate, which failed to pass last week. You're listening to the podcast Explaining Ukraine. The Explaining Ukraine podcast is produced by Ukraine World, an English-language website about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I am a Ukrainian philosopher, journalist and chief editor of Ukraine World. I invite you to a regular conversation between my colleagues Anastasia Heresimchuk and Darya Sinhayevska, journalist and analyst at Ukraine World, who analyzed key events in and around Ukraine during the last week. Let me remind you that Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. Before we start, let me also remind you that you can support our work at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. We provide exclusive content for our patrons. You can also support our volunteer trips to the front lines at paypal ukraine.resisting.gmail.com. You can find these links in the description of this episode. Another week passed, the week of hopes and disappointments, failures and gains. And as usual, Dash and I have prepared the analysis of key events and in and around Ukraine over the last week. Dasha, could you tell our listeners about the topics of today's episode? Sure, we'll embark upon the situation on the front line, moving to EU discussions of security guarantees for Ukraine, problems with uh, allocating aid to Ukraine in the United States, and uh, wrapping that up with uh, Russia uh, managing to circumvent sanctions and uh, assistance to Ukraine and many more. And we'll start with our usual topic of uh, the developments on the front line. So uh, Ukrainian Ground Forces Commander Colonel General Oleksandr Sirsky has said that the enemy continues conducting offensive operations across the entire front line. And we can see that uh, Avdiivka remains the hottest area of the front line which uh, the enemy wants to encircle. And the goal of Russians in Avdiivka is to capture a large number of Ukrainian soldiers and Western equipment, pushing at uh, the cost of incredible losses of uh, people and uh, equipment. Uh, and this was stated by uh, another military expert, Ivan Stupak, uh, that the Russians need to take Avdiivka to cut off our communication at the narrowest point. So uh, it is important for the occupiers to uh, capture settlements before the elections in Russia to prove they gain something in this war. Uh, we can summarize the situation from the Ukrainian side as such that um, in the Bakhmut sector, assault operations are conducted in the south of Bakhmut. In the Melitopol uh, sector, Ukrainian forces are exhausting the enemy along the front line. And in the Kherson sector, um, we, we have holding the left bank of the Dnipro. Uh, so the heart of the problem lies not in the strategy, but in the lack of resources, as uh, says Mikola Beliskov, an analyst at the National Institute for Strategic Studies. 
adding that we have learned that a classic offensive is beyond the capabilities of both sides, but new tactics can be devised. And the conditions uh, for the current crisis uh, over the aid to uh, Ukraine in the United States were created for the uh, reactive approach, epistemized by the uh, phrase, as long as it takes. And following Russia's failure to subjugate Ukraine within uh, weeks uh, of the full-scale invasion, as they wanted, and after major saddlebags uh, at the hands of Ukrainian forces in the subsequent months, observers say Putin's best hope for what he can portray as a victory is uh, for Western support for Ukraine to falter. So again, tactics needs resources, and uh, according to a new study by the Kiel Institute for the World Economy, the amount of newly pledged aid to Ukraine from Western countries uh, reached its lowest point in August-October 2023, down almost 90% compared to the same period in 2022. And the uh, Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington, if I'm not mistaken, um, expressed such an idea that the fortunate thing for Ukraine is that in winter season, not uh, very much is happening on the battlefield. So the fact that there is uh, this pause in aid is not fatal the way it might have been a year ago, when, um, I'll remind our listeners, uh, Russia launched an offensive on uh, Bakhmut. However, the Ukrainian armed forces may feel the impact of reduced U.S. military aid in January, and um, this might result in struggling you know, to carry local attacks. Nevertheless, understanding this pressure, um, our staunchest allies uh, keep their heads up. For example, the United Kingdom has provided Ukraine with the latest Marlet uh, multi-purpose guided missiles to counter uh, Russian attack drones. And basically, that's the latest strategy of Russia to launch a lot, a lot of drones at the same time to uh, find our air defense systems and uh, to uh, give us as much uh, harm uh, as as they can. And according to the Times, they are effective in the fight against of these groups of kamikaze drones. However, there is no official information on this transfer, but uh, according to um, Militarny Channel, uh, the uh, first public use of this British lightweight multi-role missile uh, in Ukraine took place in um, back in April 2022. So over the course of the year, the Ukrainian military allegedly shot down enemy drones and even Ka-52 uh, attack helicopter with uh, this uh, portable air defense system. And Ukraine will receive additional financial assistance from Japan, uh, which is $1 billion worth. According to President Zelensky, this is a significant support for the recovery of Ukraine and to its economy. And uh, we can say that Japan stands firmly on the side of Ukraine and um, Ukrainians. And uh, we continue to work together to bring this uh, common victory closer. And uh, last but not least, uh, Finland plans to start producing ammunitions for Ukraine in the near future. Uh, surely further details on the content of new package, the way uh, it is delivered or the scheduled will not be provided. But uh, that is only for operational reasons and to ensure that the assistance will reach the destination safely. So um, 
in light of all these developments, um, I know that uh, you, Nastya, have uh, something to tell us about this struggling in the U.S. to uh, provide uh, more aid to Ukraine and uh, um, the discussions that are held inside the EU on security guarantees. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, the whole week was full of the news from the U.S. concerning the debates between representatives of the Senate, representatives of the White House, and it, uh, these heated debates were uh, all about the allocation of the aid for Ukraine. I mean, not the uh, exactly the allocation, but the vote on allocation of this aid. Uh, so the U.S. Senate failed to vote on aid for Ukraine last week. Uh, and um, this uh, aid uh, should include um, packages for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan worth about $106 billion, and uh, $61 million of them was supposed to go to help Ukraine. And uh, during this vote, uh, 60 votes of congressmen were required and only 50 uh, vote in favor. Uh, here we are not going to analyze American domestic policy or scrutinize the grounds of current problems. Our aim here is to brief, brief you on what happened and why it is important, uh, why these events are important for Ukraine. Uh, so Ukraine got a hostage of the circumstances of the internal politics turmoil in the United States. And uh, the problem with the vote was connected with the demand of uh a Republican, a part of Republican representative, a congressman of the House of Representatives, uh, to uh, to strengthen the border security of the U.S. So, uh, the um, U.S. House of Representatives Speaker Mike uh, Johnson, uh, in his letter to the White House, uh, which he sent on the fifth of December. Uh, said that he would not support further military aid to Ukraine unless the White House agreed to strengthen the border security. So uh, this is a certain kind of uh, condition that this uh, part of Republican, Republicans uh, demand from the White House uh, in exchange of voting for such an important uh, for such an important aid. And uh, let me remind you that the U.S. aid is critical for Ukraine. Uh, the U.S. is the number one dollar uh, donor in the world for Ukraine. So taking into account the intensified actions uh, of Russians on the front line and the current situation in general, this aid is even more critical and I'd say even vital. And many American officials understand that. Um for example, the National Security Council coordinator for strategic communications, John Kirby, reminded that if the U.S. stops supporting Ukraine, Russia will defeat it. And after that, Russia may attack NATO's eastern flank. And in this case, already American mil military will have to fight it. The National Security Advisor of the United States, Jake Sullivan, uh, also told that um, any member of the United States Congress who does not support additional funding for Ukraine uh, is voting for the outcome that will make it easier for the Russian president to win the war. So the situation is serious indeed, and uh, the, the U.S. has almost run of sources 
uh, to help Ukraine without the approval of this new package. Um, meanwhile, uh, Biden's administration announced an additional military aid package for Ukraine worth $175 million, uh, which includes ammunition for air defense, ammunition for HIMARS systems, artillery ammunition, high-speed anti-radar missiles, equipment for protection of critical infrastructure, etc. But the most important thing here is that if Congress doesn't approve the U.S. president's request for additional national security funding, this package will be one of the last the United States will be able to provide to Ukraine. And amid this situation, according to some sources, the Reuters cited, the Biden administration is uh, considering uh, getting behind new restrictions on how um, people can seek asylum in the United States. So uh, it means that uh, the Biden administration is, uh, according to sources, we do not uh, that for sure, but according to to Reuters sources, the Biden administration uh, is ready for compromise uh, on the issue of the border security so that the um, the American parliament votes for the package aid as soon as possible. But the problem is that um, what are the ch- even if the compromise is reached, what are the chances they, m- they will manage to uh, reach this agreement and vote for the aid before the Christmas break? So we only have to wait and see. And, um, but on the other hand, um, Ukraine is continued talking about the security guarantees with the EU. So while we have these certain kind of problems with the U.S. connected with its uh, domestic policy, uh, we um, are on on our way forward to uh, define the security guarantees by the EU uh, for Ukraine. And the last week, and the last week, uh, the representatives of... uh, uh, the EU came to Kiev uh, to talk to the representatives of Ukraine's um, Ministry of Defense uh, on security guarantees for Ukraine. So this meeting took place in Kiev, and uh, these were very uh, intensive and fruitful consultations. And uh, the EU singled out nine priorities for future security commitments for Ukraine. Uh, they include uh, exchange of um, uh, intelligence data, uh, in, including the uh, satellite shots. Uh, it also includes the military equipment and weapons aid. Uh, they, uh, the EU is also going to support the efforts to ensure the nuclear safety. Uh, it is not going to stop its commitment to, uh, to train Ukrainian military. Uh, The very important part of this package is the cooperation with Ukrainian uh, defense industry. And as a part part of these uh, nine points uh, plan uh, is the uh, fulfillment, the uh, realization of reforms connected to the uh, the EU accession process of Ukraine. And it is very noticeable because 
um, this reform process, uh, the aid with this uh, reform implementation is seen by the EU as a part of security guarantees. So this thing we said about the... Uh, importance of Ukraine's um, EU membership in terms of security is, is really true. So it's not only about the economy, it's more about security. And there are other several uh, other important points like assistance in demining or countering cyber, uh, cyber and uh, hybrid threats. Uh, so uh, it was an important step forward to um, defining the frames and the content of the future uh, security commitments of the EU to Ukraine. But uh, we uh, we observe a very disturbing situation that uh, Russia manages to uh, avoid negative consequences of sanctions that was imposed on it. And Dasha have much more interesting information about how Russia manages to do that. Uh, yes, basically Russia has exploited all the loopholes and shortcomings left in uh, Western sanctions by the G7 and partners. Um, and uh, that is summarized by Atlantic Council, uh, which doubts that uh, Western anti-Russian sanctions have achieved their goals on the um, on this um, area in uh, Russia's barbarous invasion of Ukraine, which are to reduce significantly Russia's revenues from commodity exports, to undermine Russia's military capabilities and ability to uh, wage war, and uh, to cause significant pain to the Russian economy. Uh, here we are going to discuss uh, in a nutshell, number one, the SWIFT ban that uh, was a measure that didn't apply to banks facilitating energy transactions. Number two, the oil price cap that uh, does not have a reliable enforcement ma mechanism and uh, Russia gets around it by using a shadow fleet for uh, transportation. And uh, finally, number three, Russia's uh, reserves in the West have been frozen, but Moscow had built up its uh, foreign exchange revenues well be before the um, invasion, allowing it to caution the impact of this measure. So, despite the sanctions, the Kremlin still receives significant revenues from oil experts. In 2022-2023, uh, including October, Russia earned a total of $381.8 billion on that. Uh, Russia still has access to SWIFT. Uh, the disconnecting from SWIFT turned out to be a half measure and concerned only large institutions under EU sanctions and um, not uh, related to energy operations. For example, Gazprom Bank, which is sanctioned by the uh, US, UK, Canada, Switzerland, um, Austria, was not banned from SWIFT due to its role in facilitating payments for energy trade. The bank remains connected to SWIFT and can conduct non-energy-related transactions without any restrictions. In addition, over 300 of Russia's regional and small banks still have access to SWIFT, allowing Russia to make cross-border payments and uh, import expert transactions. And the Atlantic Council believes that more can be done on this matter. Another thing is the price cap on uh, Russian oil uh, that needs a better enforcement mechanism, according to Atlantic Council. 
So the G7 allies set the cap at uh, $60 per uh, barrel, which was uh, considered sufficient for Moscow to continue producing and exporting oil, but uh, limit its uh, revenues. Russia has since lost approximately $47.3 billion in revenue. However, this policy came under the scrutiny when Russian export prices rose about $60 per barrel in July 2023 and reached over $80 per barrel in September and um, October. The shadow fleet allows Russia to charge higher uh, fees and oil prices manipulate the location of vessels and ignore maintenance uh, needs, in addition to allowing Russia to circumvent the price cap. These uh, shadow vessels do not comply with safety requirements, which can lead to environmental disasters. And in previous episodes, uh, Nastya and I talked about the ecocide that uh, basically uh, Russia is committing. Um, in October, almost uh, all of Russia's oil experts by sea were priced above the ceiling, and service providers from G7 countries continue to participate in this. Another thing to consider is that gold helped Russia stabilize the rubble after the G7 allies froze the reserves of the Russian Central Bank in March 2022. One of the First, consequences of the sanctions was a free fall in the rubble. However, it soon stabilized, uh, and um, we have uh, the question ahead of us. How did Russia manage to do this? So, the role of gold in the rubble's recovery is often overlooked. In addition to the main factors like energy revenues, uh, capital controls, the indirect peg to uh, gold also helped uh, the central bank to stabilize the exchange rate, and um, it has fixed the gold price at 5,000 uh, rubles per gram from March to June 2022. Mm, so uh, the, West, the Western partners uh, have taken important steps uh, to deprive Russia of revenue and military power. And uh, the, the only thing that it needs now is to turn attention to Russia's tax evasion methods and work with the private sector to increase compliance and enforce um, economic measures. Because the Kremlin will uh, keep its war machine running as long as oil revenues continue to flow and Russia can mitigate and circumvent uh, Western economic restrictions. Um, Nevertheless, jumping to more diplomatic theme, We can't help uh, but talk about uh, President Zelensky's visit to Argentina, right? Yes, uh, the last week was marked a significant event for Ukrainian diplomacy and for Ukrainian foreign policy. Uh, Our President Volodymyr Zelensky arrived in Argentina on the 10th of December to attend the inauguration of the country's uh, newly elected president, uh, Javier Milei. And uh, this trip was Zelensky's first official visit to Latin America during his presidency. Um, So why this visit is that important? Uh, He not only uh, attended this inauguration, uh, inaugurational ceremony uh, and um, uh, established personal contact with the uh, Argentinian president, he also had uh, meetings with the leaders of Paraguay, Uruguay and Ecuador. 
these meetings, these kinds of contacts are very important for Ukraine because reaching out to the uh, Latin to Latin America is one of the key priorities of Ukrainian foreign policy. Uh, this region is um, not, uh, let's say, traditional for Ukraine, and uh, we need to um, pave our way there to win the hearts and minds of uh, people of uh, the countries that are located in Latin America. And it is uh, extremely important to meet the um, not only a hot phase of war with Russia, but uh, amid the hybrid war, because uh, Russians are fighting heavily for winning uh, hearts and minds of people uh, around the world, including Latin America, Africa, uh, the Middle East, etc. So uh, Ukraine also needs to be present uh, to uh, express its voice there and to tell the truth because let's be sh- uh, let's be sincere Russian propaganda is quite effective in those regions. Uh, so uh, during his meeting with the president of Ecuador Zelensky um, emphasized the importance of developing bilateral cooperation in the security sphere, digitalization, and trade of agricultural uh, products. And what is very important, he also um, he also proposed uh, the uh, Ecuadorian president join the implementation of the Ukrainian formula of peace. Uh, with the uh, Uruguayan president, Zelensky uh, discussed the possibility of holding a summit between Ukraine and Latin America. And uh, if it happens so, uh, such a summit would be a significant event and a new step in the development of uh, Ukrainian-Latin American relations. They also told about uh, talked about the uh, development, the increase of the volume of trade between Ukraine and Paraguay. And, uh, of course, um, Latin America is important for Ukraine not only for political reasons, it's also important regarding economic terms, and it's now our interest to uh, intensify these trade relations uh, between Ukraine and these countries. Uh, so um, it, it's quite a positive note to finish our episode for today, and uh, we hope that Ukrainian diplomacy will manage to Uh, establish uh, workable and uh, very effective relations with the number of states in the Latin America. So thank you for listening to us and um, we are ready to prepare new set of news for you for the next episode. This was a podcast explaining Ukraine by Ukraine World, an English-language website about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I am a Ukrainian philosopher, journalist, and chief editor of Ukraine World. This was our conversation between Anastasia Heresimchuk and Darya Senhayevska, journalist and analyst at Ukraine World. They analyzed key events in and around Ukraine during the last week. Let me remind you that you can support our work at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. We provide exclusive content for our patrons, You can also support our volunteer trips to the front lines at paypal.ukraine.resisting.gmail.com. You can find these links in the description of this episode. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.